Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. The Law Report with Michael Matwening Bell, Kaya FM 95.9. We continue on the same theme as Dr. Cindy Fonsale, and we continue the discussion talking about uh, gender-based violence. I mean, this is something that um, plagues our society, and by the looks of things, seems as if it will plague our society for some time to come still. So, as citizens of the country, as people who are affected by this in one way or another, and, and certainly as people who perpetrate this act, let's have a conversation tonight and talk about you know, what is what is the end? When is the end? How do we get to the end? Um, you know, what, what leads us to do these things to other people? But also for those that are the receiving end, what leads us um, to not report when these things happen? So let's have that engagement because I think the, the difficulty is often, or more often, we don't get to hear the voice of, I'm the one that does this and this is why I've done it. And we don't get to hear the voice of the one that says, well, this has happened to me, but I haven't reported it because their names don't feature in the statistics. Let's have a discussion about gender-based violence and how we can, you know, better understand this animal that we are wrestling with. Do give me a call, as always, number to dial 86 And thank you so much for uh, Dr. Cindy Fonsell. She's back after this. Know your rights. Know the law. The Law Report with Michael Mutuening-Bill. All right, GBV. I mean, it's become such a well-known acronym. Um, certainly, I didn't know it f- four years ago even. And, and now it's something that, you know, I don't even have to wonder what one is talking about when one says GBV. And, and it's gender-based violence because it's something that, you know, our women and children are subjected to um, and um, almost in, in an unrelenting way. And, um, and I want to talk about, you know, what is it, that makes us specifically um, susceptible as, as a society to this issue and why are we amongst the highest ranking countries helping me to understand some of these issues are none other than Rami Chuena whom you know very well as an actress uh, and Isona star uh, Rami good evening and thank you very much for talking to me this evening Thank you so much for inviting me, Mike. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Good to be talking and to you. hello to the listeners. Yes, indeed. Um, I said to myself, to tell you that I look forward to talking to you because you are, <laughs> yes. you are a rare occasion for me. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, Lindsay Henson, um, Lawyers uh, Against Abuse. Uh, Lindsay, thank you very much for talking to me. Are you well? Hi, Michael. I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. As well as uh, Fisani uh, Masango from NSM. SA. Uh, welcome to you, uh, Fisani. Are you well? Yes, I'm well. And how are you doing? I'm great indeed. Thank you for asking. If you've just tuned in, we're talking about gender-based violence and uh, with my guest. Um, and we, we, we want to get some of your thoughts, some of your questions, if you will. Um, around this issue and do give us a call number to dial 0860-00959 perhaps let me start with you and talk about you know your organization and what it seeks to do and 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 maybe you know there's something that i read about about what you guys are doing and maybe talk to us about that once you've introduced your organization okay um my name is Tiffany Mashangu and i'm here today representing the national shelter movement of south africa which is an organization registered as a non-profit organization that seeks to be a united voice on sheltering 
for women and children affected by gender-based violence in South Africa. So our strongest um, activism point is on issues of gender-based violence and more especially on sheltering and ensuring that there are safe spaces for women and children who have experienced domestic violence and other kinds of abuse. And, and and let me pick up on something that I particularly found interesting and you have established a 24-hour hotline. Talk to us about that because I think many would agree that this is something that many of us have hoped and wished for and I thought um, what you have done is 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 quite interesting but also, um, well, much needed, a much needed service for women and children. Yes, uh, just yesterday on the 1st of December, many would know that it was uh, World AIDS Day, but the National Shelter Movement also took an opportunity to launch, officially launch the National Shelter Helpline, and it is a toll-free helpline. Mm. And so on this helpline, anybody in the country can actually call and be directed to a nearest, safest shelter closest to them. So today at 8 a.m. in the morning, the lines were going live. So it means if you can call right now and you're looking for a shelter, you'll be directed to where you can find the nearest shelter. So if I need a place to stay and I'm a, I'm a victim of abuse, I can say, I can call I can call you and say, this is where I am. I'm based in Tembisa or I'm based in Pinville. Um, who can accommodate me right now? Yes, you'll be directed. And and I think that's that's very good. And I'm going to ask you to just share the number with us, and 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 I'm, and and perhaps we'll we'll do the same thing again um, at the close of of the show. If you can just share how how one accesses this 24 hour toll free shelter hotline. Yes, or one can actually call 0800 001 005. I'll repeat the number again. The toll free number is 0800 001 005. And we also have got WhatsApp, uh, three WhatsApp numbers, and if they you can find us on WhatsApp, or please call me uh, on 082-057-8600. I will repeat the number again, 082-057-8600. But we have got three of these numbers that I'll be sharing as we proceed. Uh, Lindsay, if I could just bring you in here. Thank you very much for that, Fisani. If I could just bring you in here. I mean, your lawyers against abuse. And (laughs) one wishes services such as yours were not necessary, but they are, in fact, quite necessary. I just wanted to, you know, maybe just touch on on something that a lot of people often um, voice views on, and, and that is the adequacy of our law. In, in in this country and 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 is, is that sort of where the problem is yeah i mean i think it's a it's a big question so in terms of the adequacy of the law so the laws in south africa around gender-based violence are actually very strong um relative to other countries um they're very victim-centric they're very expensive um and the real issue i th- i would say comes down to the implementation of those laws uh and as a result of that the way that the law is 
experienced by victims of violence in communities and on the ground is actually very different than the way that the law is written on paper. So, I mean, when we have, I mean, even now there are three new, you know, gender-based violence or three new pieces of legislation related to gender-based violence being considered in Parliament. Um, And again, it's not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that, but again, just putting more laws on paper without actually dealing with implementation issues and the lack thereof and actually holding state actors accountable for the implementation of those laws um, isn't actually going to benefit the, you know, the victim in the community on the ground. Rami, if, if, if I could bring you in here, and I think that although there are many reasons why um, we would have had you on um, on the show talking about this issue, including your book. But more recently, um, you tweeted about this topic in reaction to um, the president's uh, uh, speech. Maybe just share with us what your what your sense was um, on, on sort of the political expression given by the president of South Africa versus what, what your views are. Yeah, well... It, it, it's very interesting that you know you've got you've got we've got the, uh, the two ladies in um, uh, as well as part of the conversation because they are on point with with everything that they're saying mm. that you know the law uh, based on the law that we have in South Africa women and children are not properly protected and not only that it's also even though the laws are strong but. Uh, people on the ground do not necessarily have access and they do not have the know-how. So I'm not anti-16 days of activism against gender-based violence, but I'm saying that the 16 days should be used as a tool, as awareness to remind people to to go out and do outreach and, and, and just basically take the word out there. But the work should be done around around all, all year round. And, uh, and you can see that work is not being done by the facilities that we have. You know, thank God for the for for, for organisations like the, uh, the, uh, the, the 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 shelters um, that society uh, is part of. That because people do not have access. You go to the police station, the protocol is not properly followed. The police are not well equipped, so they don't deal with these things on the ground. So it is even difficult to now have to go through something in the court of law if the little basic steps have not been taken care of. So I'm saying the awareness should be all year round and people should be reached all over the place because that's one of the reasons why people stay in, 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 in abusive relationships, abusive marriages. But we need to empower our people to a point that they know that it is okay for them to reach out. And when they reach out, they will still be protected. I, I, you know, you, 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 you've said quite a number of things that I wanted to pick on and, and, I, and I hope to, to do so um, during the course of the show. But w- one thing that, uh, you know, I, I want to play before, before I engage you further, uh, Arami, is, is, is what the president said. I, I want us to just listen to this. We know that we are in a crisis and that this crisis demands we step up measures to protect women and girls and advance their interests and their rights. The national strategic plan that was crafted by the women of our country guides the effort to combat gender-based violence and femicide. Since the start of this year, we've been moving ahead with the implementation in key areas. Firstly, with regard to the care and the support that our nation must give to the survivors of gender-based violence. 
Secondly, the education, but more importantly, the prevention steps that must be taken to prevent gender-based violence. And thirdly, how we can enhance legal and policy frameworks that will guide the change of attitude in our nation. And fourthly, strengthening the criminal justice system and also the most important, not that the others are not important, how we enhance the economic empowerment of the women of our country. I mean, yeah, it's everything is pointed, and 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 and, and we'll, we'll touch on 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 each of them. But but one that is possibly unfathomable unfathomable for me is is one of the attitude, the attitude that that President Ramaphosa alludes to, where I think it's okay for me to lay a hand on a woman, let alone a human being. I mean, it's a whole human being, a whole adult human being. Um, and in fact, I say adult. I don't know why I say that because even the constitutional court said even your children are not supposed to be hit by you, um, and and doing so is a criminal offence. So what is it that you know the, the our attitude that makes us think that it's permissible and it's okay and we are justified to do that, and 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 how does how do we overcome that? Because the irony of this is, the very men that do this were born of women, and yet they do this to other women. So the, the 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 psychology of it all is just bewildering. I, I'm not sure whether there there is sort of any any kind of thoughts around you know how we repair the attitude, or or not even repair, but more get the attitude of men to be right, such that we don't think that it's okay. Rami? Yeah. Hmm? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You're so right because I think one of the things that has, has, has hindered the, 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 the process or the progress mm. of, 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 of uh, minimizing or taking the statistics down for gender-based violence is that we always talk about reaction measures, mm. you know, what women must not do. Mm. This is what you must do not to provoke. This is what you must not weigh. This is what you must not say. So we're busy reacting instead of being proactive. We should be dealing with men to be able, so that they are educated. They are, uh, you know, some um, principles are instilled, manners, etiquette, behavioral, behavioral changes, all of that. It starts, it starts with them first, you know, yes. because me as a victim, I have no power. I have no say. If you as the perpetrator do not see me as someone who's vulnerable and you don't have the sense that you shouldn't be laying a hand on me. So we shouldn't be dealing with the people, with how the victims should react to avoid being abused. Mm. Instead, we should be dealing with abusers themselves. So that's where we need to start. And it starts at home. It's at school. It is at, uh, you know, at gatherings. Men, when they're together, what is it that they talk about? Yes. How do they uplift each other? How do they encourage one another? How do they, you know, instill values and, and respect and their sense of pride mm. to say, this is who we are. And if we don't fix what we are, the world will never be enough. It will never be okay. So 
the whole mentality of saying what women and children should do or not do, I think it was it's actually a very um, regressive way of dealing with it. Mm. it. It's not a positive way of working with it. We should start with the perpetrators and allow the victims to heal by themselves, but it starts with the men themselves. One of the other things... Um uh, Fisani, that the, the 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 president mentioned is is the is economics in the whole uh, spectrum of things. Where generally speaking, men are better off than women for historical reasons, none other than just historical reasons. Um, and 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 to what extent does economics or financial muscle um, help further the it further and deepen the issues that we confront. Uh, it's an important point, as the president um, said, and he even said that it doesn't mean that all the others that you mentioned are not important. Mm. But I think there is a realization and an agreement that the economics, as you are saying, and the financial status of different genders in society also plays a part in gender-based violence and femicide in the country and everywhere else. It's not just only in South Africa, but I think across the board, across worldwide. Mm. So uh, there is a... It is a fact, I would call it, that um, women and girls have um, lesser opportunities when compared to the male counterpart. As a result, you find that even in situations where you find that there's gender-based violence in a certain home or between a couple, it becomes a situation where, in some instances, the partner, the female partner, is dependent on this man. Mm. And that sometimes becomes even the source of abuse. Because you find that this woman and the children are deprived of food and other basic necessities by a person who is mm. actually supposed to be providing. In some instances, you find that even if the source of abuse is not the finances or the economics, mm. but a woman will still hang on to the relationship because she's thinking, where am I going to go if I leave this relationship? Because my sole provider is this person who was able to buy bread and milk me for her. Mm. So economic empowerment can be and plays in a huge role in ensuring that gender-based violence and femicide is lessened. Because if a woman knows that even if I leave this situation, I'll be empowered to be able to stand on my own and support myself and my children. She'll have the courage to get out of a relationship where she feels there is abuse. Because it doesn't just become so ugly in one day, but the person will see the sign. But then other sectors, including economic and financial status of a person keeps that person in that relationship. So it is very important. And uh, it doesn't only end when the woman is still in the relationship uh, that they are dependent on this, but even when they get out of the relationships where there is abuse, there is a need for different departments and stakeholders to come together and realize that women need to be empowered. It can be at the municipal level, it can be in shelters, it can be at the Department of Labor, Department of Trade and Industry. A lot of partners here can come to the table and play a part in ensuring that women, especially those who have access to shelters, are empowered with skills 
to enable themselves to stand on their own. I think I'll share uh, with you. Yesterday, we uh, when we're launching the helpline, there was a lady, um, Leanne. She was once in a shelter. She was a victim of domestic violence. And luckily, she survived and, and she went to a shelter where she received economic empowerment. And when she was sharing, she shared that it is very important that she is where she is now because of the skills that she was given and the opportunities. Because at some stage, they have to exit shelters. But when you exit a shelter, you are provided with basic necessities. If you do not have skills and if you do not have anything to be, to enable you to go and look for a job, mm. what do you do afterwards? Mm. Some end up returning to those situations again, even after undergoing empowerment, other kinds of empowerment in shelters. So yes, economic empowerment is very important. It, 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 it sounds it sounds so indeed. But when we come back, I I, I want to sort of explore, still on the same theme, uh, a question to the effect that you know abuse is not only in relation to the economically weak. Even strong women are abused. Even financially independent and executive women are abused, and 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 yet they could have sit in the same same room and 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 share their emotions i think i think there are some complexities which i hope we can discuss and 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 perhaps get some enlightenment on but before doing so let me take a break and and we'll continue this chat when we come back know your rights know the law the law report with michael matwening bill welcome back i'm continuing my conversation i'm talking to rami chwene whom you know very well as well as lindsay henson um, the latter being um, a, a lawyer at Lawyers Against Abuse and uh, Fisani with uh, NSMSA. Um, we, we, we explored before the break this issue of, of financial ability versus abuse and, and, and sexual violence. How does it play out in, in respect of women that are potentially doing better than than their count than their counterparts and, and in fact arguably some would argue that in fact even some women get abused precisely because they are financially more independent and powerful. Mm. 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 Anybody jump in. Well that is true. I agree. In fact that's that was going to be one of my points that not only do women uh, who are financially dependent on men be abused, but sometimes you are abused because you are more financially independent. And when we speak abuse, not only are we talking physical abuse, but emotional abuse. Mm. You know, when now you can't even go anywhere. Oh, why are you dressed like that? Who are you going to meet? Is that because you're making more money than I do? Because I'm sitting at home, I'm not making, I'm I'm not earning money. Now you're seeing better people. Mm. You're seeing better guys. So you end up, you know, it's it's your self-esteem being attacked constantly. It is your confidence being knocked each time and those kind of things and you find that by the time it gets to a point of no return the 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 mental state of women of of the woman is so damaged that they don't see a way out and they also you end up uh, you're also very sympathetic beings so you also think if i leave what is this going what is it going to live on how and but they do it so well the manipulation gaming is so is done so expertly that you end up being trapped because of you know you're trapped by your own fear what if i leave he kills me what if i stay he kills me like you don't even know what to do 
Mm. But sometimes with, with people who are, who are abusive perpetrators, they, they, their mental intellect and how they know how to manipulate their victims, they do it in such a way that you don't see a way out except to stick with them until they decide when to let you go, mm. whether by death or by just leaving you alone. Mm. Or, or, or leaving you when when they when when they've taken everything away from you. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, Lindsay, your thoughts. I mean, these these issues are yeah. are, are complex, are diverse, and 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 they present in many shapes and forms. To say, mm. what is that thing that keeps us that, that that brings us back to the very thing that hurts us? Because mm. because you know, to what extent does even love? Yeah. Send us right back to hurt. Right. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with all the things that have been said so far. Um, I would just add that, you know, especially if we're looking at intimate partner violence as a particular type of gender-based violence, you know, it is something that cuts across race, nationality, socioeconomic status, education levels. Um, I think there's often this perception, um, you know, that victims of, uh, you know, victims of domestic violence or intimate partner violence is, you know, it is a situation of financial dependence. And that certainly is, you know, in a lot of the cases and is one of the primary primary reasons, as Sonia had said, um, that that women don't feel like they're able to leave a relationship, an abusive relationship. Um, you know, but there are other reasons, as as, um, as have been mentioned already, and a big one is around fear, you know, a fear of a perpetrator. So, um, you know, that they, they actually condition their victim over time to say, you know, if if I can't have you, no one can have you, you know, so this mentality. And we know, you know, according, there's been research that a woman is in the most danger immediately after she leaves an abusive relationship um, because we know that abuse is all about power. And by leaving, that's, you know, taking away, that's kind of the final act of taking away that power from a perpetrator. Um, there's also fear around just not being believed. Um, as was stated, often these perpetrators are masters in manipulation. So, you know, there's a completely different picture that's being presented to the outside world than is actually what's happening at home behind closed doors. Um, and so because of that, you know, the victim has seen how this perpetrator has, you know, manipulated friends, family, you know, everybody else that is completely unaware that this is going on. And she's afraid that, you know, if I say that this is happening and I reach out for support, like who's going to believe me? They're all going to believe this like shiny picture that he's put forward. Um, I think, as you said, you know, the, the love element, you know, I think people are desperately in some situations, they're desperately hoping that their partner will change. Um, and what, you know, what is a, you know, a commonly studied phenomenon is what we call the cycle of abuse. Um, or the cycle of violence where, you know, you have an incident and then you have, um, you know, and then after an incident, then there is uh, an apology phase and then there's a honeymoon phase where, you know, I promise I'll never do it again. I'm so sorry, mm. you know, and then from there you have tension building again until another incident. And what you see over time is this cycle repeats itself again and again and again. And often victims won't even identify it necessarily as a cycle until somebody educates them about it. Um, and what you see often is that um, not only does the cycle repeat itself, but the incidents become more and more severe in nature, and the, the length of the cycle from beginning to end also begins to shorten over time. And so whereas, you know, something starts off as, you know, maybe something like verbal abuse, you know, then to a, a slap or a push, you know, all the way escalating to, you know, being choking or other forms, more severe forms of violence. And it may also be, you know, in terms of frequency of an incident, it may be in the beginning, 
it happens once a year and then, you know, and then it's every few months and then it's every week and then it's potentially daily. Um, and it can be, it get into the point until a woman realizes like, actually, you know, if I stay, he is going to kill me. Um, and, and, and that's when they finally realize that they, they just have, they have to leave. I want to, I want to, I want to put a question and it could, it, it, it's one that I've, I've, I've had to reflect on both in terms of how I pitch it, but also the thought itself, which is when, when women gets abused within the context of a family by a husband with whom she may or may not have children with, we always look at it as a, as an act of weakness or why is she going back? But could it, is it possible that it is in fact an act of love and heroism to do so because because it's love of family it's love of structure it's love of children it's love of of hope it's love of the man it's love is is hope in change hope in 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 it being better so oftentimes that when one hopes one may not necessarily be a fool or the fool but simply the hero because it is the hero that tries even at their own peril to 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 keep the family going, to keep the structure going, to keep the life going, um, and, yeah. and 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 I wonder sometimes whether whether those women that have endured, some of whom have been described as I don't know why Ukoko tolerated that man, whether yeah. they actually create, whether they sacrifice something so profound, their 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 own happiness, so that you can have a Gogo and aim cool and a some kind of a structure where where it's together because i think i think i wonder whether as we talk about as we talk about these victims we are neglecting the question of their heroism can i can i uh, jump in there yes please yes i i, I think i i hear you very well the point that you are bringing and it's true, maybe we, we may be overlooking the other side of it, as we are calling it heroism. Um, but I, I think it is maybe worth celebrating that mm. there are some women who enjoy and they stay. Up until, as you're saying, the children who say, I had a mom and a dad and a wonderful. And uh, some kids will say with uh, our grandfather and our grandmom still together even they pointed and said that is my grandmom and that is my grandfather but we also have to look at the, the other side of it yes. of this woman or this man staying in this kind of a relationship with abuse is that no mm. you should also look at what is it that you are socializing that people that you are raising into mm. this is where we find that uh, remember behaviors are learned Mm. Um, so when children are in a household that is full of a uh, battering, that is full of uh, insults, there's emotional abuse, there's torture. You know, when this uh, man comes into the house, the, the woman has to just stop whatever she has been doing. If she was watching her favorite uh, story on TV, they were laughing in the house. Everything has to stop suddenly. Yes. But she continues to enjoy that. Mm. We have to look at the products that are going to come out of such a home. Mm. It then perpetuates this cycle where even the 
boy child who's raised in his household will go out and become like the men that he learned from. Yes. And when I walk into my gate, my children just disappear or they should just straighten up. And the girl who's raised in such a home is also going to be the same girl who's also going to enjoy as a grandmom and as a mom enjoyed the abuse. Mm. So yes, I hear you very well when you're saying it can be heroism. We have to maybe just at least celebrate this, but there's another side to it. Behaviors are learned. And in a, in a family setting, when people are a family, so they socialize and they raise human beings for future generations. So what knowledge will be passed on to these children for future? Mm. I, I can, can I just jump in there and, and just completely agree with what you said saying? Because this whole heroism thing that women do, mm. it's, it's something that has been, it, it's a lot of pressure. Because don't forget that we live in a very, there's so much patriarchy in our society, especially mm. in Africa that, you know, the man is the head, whatever they say goes, mm. you know. So the same thing that you're watching your favorite TV show and when the husband comes back home, you jump. You switch off, it's on. Yes, yes. Ah, yes. <laughs> and, you know, next thing you have to jump up, switch off the TV and go to your favorite channel, you know, piece the, the chicken together because now he's back. And, you know, it's all, all those things, the manner, those mannerisms, those behaviors, they can be changed. And it's up to us to change and say, this was the way they used to do things. And we know that the way these things were done, it is not the right way. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is, it is um, literally abusing someone else. It is, it is infringing on someone else's human rights. You know, we can change this kind of behaviors. We are trying to now raise people or young people who can think freely, who are forward thinkers, who are world changers. And some of these laws that our grandfathers, our parents, our great grandfathers uh, ruled with or were ruled by are now so, so out of place with where the world is going. And we can never be better if we go back and stick to some of those rules that even, you know, law is law. That in terms of like traditional law is traditional law. It doesn't work like that anymore. Right now, we want to raise children in love and not in fear. We're trying to instill um, freedom that has order instead of a law that has order. You know, we're trying to, 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 to break those kind of chains and say we are able to live together freely, respecting one another and also, you know, and live peacefully. But those laws can be reversed. Those things that our grandparents have been living by, those principles, oh, we need to unlearn them as quickly as possible. And I think that can help us, you know, going forward. Do we not live in a in a dual society in a way and, no, and, and no, one which one which um, c- creates almost or contributes to this problem because on the one hand we are very clear that South Africa is a patriarchal society and that is not acceptable and yet we say that the man is the head of the household and we we then go on and filter that down that Ubaba Ute versus Ubaba's word in the household and, and how that translates in the ear of a, of a young boy. And, and I know that, you know, so I, I, I wonder whether the reflection, sh- how, how far can the reflection go where Ubaba's word is final or Ubaba says, well, I'm the bull in this crawl. 
um, and and Mama's voice is subservient to that of 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 Papa in the house. Are, are we? Should 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 we perhaps open that discussion? In so far as you know, because a, a, a lot of people do say, "Oh, yeah, it's fifty-fifty," but but it it doesn't really translate into fifty-fifty within the household, and yet we accept that. In fact, we when our, when we marry off our women, our girls who are to become women, we say to them, you know, "Lalelindota, uztobe, and submit, and all of those nice things. And and I'm not necessarily voicing out a personal view because because there might naturally be a conflict between the question and my personal views but I'm, I'm i'm voicing it as a to put it out there to say what is what is what discussion should we be having are we are, are we in a dual society and and in denial thereof and and i would just add one other thing and not only that but if we even look at the way not only the way it filters down from the top and the head of the household but looking at just the inequitable way that boy children and girl children are treated and they're raised growing up and what are the standards that are placed on them from a young age in terms of their role within the family. So in terms of a girl child being responsible for, um, you know, maybe additional house chores, whereas a boy child is then free to play or or different standards about, you know, when a girl child must be home, but a boy child can stay late and, you know, characteristics that are celebrated in one gender, but then, you know, criticized in another gender. Um, so I think that's that's also a key piece of it, and that's you know, in, in terms of the double standard that we're creating yeah. in our homes from an early age. And and and, and I think it, it perhaps does force us to 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 reflect because I mean, if you take a a girl child, when when a girl child gives water to the father, he, she hits a knee, and yet the boy child need not, in mm-hmm. fact, need not even give him water when there is a girl mm-hmm. child in the house, and yeah. and yes, we've celebrated that as respect, and and. Perhaps we should still, but 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 should we then also then if we do celebrate it, not recognize this duality of mm. of of perceptions where where we want that same girl child that hit a knee to then talk to the to be a CEO one day and talk to the chairperson and 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 hit the metaphorical knee. Mm. I want I, I want to probe this really, but but but. Time dictates that I take a break. Um, when I come back, we'll we'll talk about it further. The Law Report with Michael Matwening Bell, Kaya FM ninety five point nine. Welcome back. I continue my discussion. I'm talking to Rami Chwene, uh, Fisani Masang, as well as Lindsay Henson, um, and and we're talking about this issue of of GBV, um, the, and and. And and of course we 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 have many ambitions, but none of them include solving the problem of GVB. But certainly, exploring what could be the causes of it, and 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 you know what the path is to solving it at a minimum. Um, and 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 before we took a break, I mean, one of the things I mean, I, you know, talking about our culture where we were taught not to look at, and we were we were taught not to look at the elder people in the eyes when we're speaking to them and you, you got to look down and, and I know that it doesn't apply to, to those of us who grew up in the township but certainly those that grew up in, 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 in rural areas that's what they were taught and, and for some reason we were able to be very clear that one, once we got to corporate we knew that that was not acceptable and, and we, we, we learned to look at elders, leaders, superiors dead in the eye because that was what was 
culturally necessary within the workplace. And therefore, there was a clear distinction between what is culturally necessary in the workplace versus what is culturally necessary in the domestic space. And and what I'm what I'm what I'm trying to explore is as regards issues of gender, and, and the example I've just given now is is it, it applies irrespective of gender. It applies equally to male and female. But as regard to gender, are, are there clear sort of distinctions of yes, I'm I'm now in the workplace, and yes, I'm female, but um, don't when you shake my hand, don't don't linger, don't don't let your other finger linger on on don't let the hug linger for too long or don't drop the hand you know are we are, are we as clear um and as and as, as as rigid as 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 that where we can really start to have conversations around even the small nuances that 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 apply either in the workplace or outside of the home environment mm. well i think um there's actually a very thin line when it comes to that. Um, and when I say thin line, it's because uh, of what, you know, it's, 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 we've been indoctrinated to think like that because it has been going for such a long time. And to be quite honest, it will, tw- it will take a lot of work, a lot of effort, and, uh, and quite some time for us to unlearn that. Mm. Because as much as, as much as I'm so outspoken, so, you know, you know, the kind of person that I am, at the back of my mind, I still remember those kind of things. You know, when you see your dad, you know, even your handshake must be, you must support it with the other hand, mm. you know, to say, to say hello. And you can't just walk away when they're talking to you. Those kind of things, they're still there at the back of your mind because it's, it's such a, a properly placed doctrine. But then also at the workplace now, we're dealing as women. Not only are we dealing with the so-called uh, patriarchy, but we're also dealing with sexual uh, harassment. How long can your hug linger? Mm. You know, I, I don't want to because if I allow you to touch me for quite some time, you might just say you, can, you might start you might start getting wrong ideas. Mm. So we are dealing with two problems that are you know that they're like that they're moving concurrently, even though they're like kind of separated but it's like you know we deal with so many things and juggling so many balls when it comes to our behavior when it comes to how the men perceive us and then we deal with patriarchy we deal with abuse women have a lot of things to deal with and to think about so you don't know you don't want to be disrespectful and yet you don't want someone to invade your space and it's ah, oh, it's such a big touch and touch and go man mm-hmm. it is such a lot to deal with Okay, can I ask this? I mean, do we have a profile of of the kind of man that would be abusive or would commit acts of uh, gender-based violence? And I ask this because part of the part of the answers that were coming out and particularly from you Fisani where you're saying do you want your children to witness that growing up? So I'm trying I'm wondering in my head because I'm I'm trying to imagine what a nine-year-old, ten-year-old would think of 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 a man beating his mother, and right. and I have no doubt that they would be incensed by the idea, and yeah. and I'm also I, I'm also then wondering whether that same nine-year-old, having been incensed, would fifteen years down the line think that it's okay, and and I'm also then thinking about another nine-year-old who then grows up to be twenty-five years old, never seen 
GBV in his life being either perpetrated by in his household or anywhere, and then suddenly almost invents this thing of or, or becomes a pioneer within his own context. I, I, I'm wondering whether we we have a a a profile of of who is likely to 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 be uh, the committer of you know a perpetrator of gender-based violence, or is it more? You know, somebody, you know, when you, when you look comparatively speaking, countries like South Africa, Brazil, which are all developing in nature, are, 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 are top. Are, are those men who sort of battle with financial security and confidence and egos, I guess. What, 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 do we have a profile? <laughs> no. I, I, nah, no, I don't oh. We do not have a profile. It can be anyone. Hmm. Uh, you know what, uh, let me just, uh, Michael, uh, share this with you because I've been in the sector. I've seen quite a number of, uh, you know, surprise, I would say, I would call them they are surprising. What I've seen is actually surprising. Yeah. You know, gender-based violence is caused by even ill health can cause gender-based violence. Right. And on this one, I want to support because I want to, I want to, I want to support my answer where I say, I think Rami or is it Linz or Rami Usap will say no also. So I want to support my no with an, with an example. Yes. I think it is back, maybe it's now five years back. A, a woman came to me to report, I was working in a shelter at that time. She came to report that she's experiencing gender-based domestic violence in a household. And when I listened to her, it was extreme. Mm. To an extent that every day when she goes to work, she uses a text, a public text. The husband would, would, would uh, be outside of their of their home, mm-hmm. looking at the text that she's going to board. And then when she comes back from work, she's obviously going to use another text. And when she gets into the house, this woman will be called all names. You are a prostitute. You know, all those languages that you can imagine. Yeah. All these words. And you know what was the cause of this? Mm. The man uh, became diabetic. Okay. Yes. It became, all along, the marriage was okay. It was working, it was okay. Everything was moving on so well. Yes. So this woman shares with me that my husband has become diabetic and it has affected his uh, sexuality mm-hmm. in the house. So, for I think because he's unable to, to imagine himself not being able to satisfy his, his wife. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the wife has to meet different men and interact with different men, starting from a text, just, mm. you can just imagine you're mm. getting, every day you use a different text. There's no way you can always have that one text with public. It is different. So it simply means all these men are now her boyfriend. Yes. That is his thought. Mm. So I'm supporting my answer to say anyone can become abusive. Mm. It depends on the situation and on the trigger. So we cannot mm. say we have a profile. And, we, we, yep. you know, with, 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 with violence, there are so many contributing factors. Others will grow up like well-groomed children, and then in their adult years, they become they begin to use alcohol, and they fail to control themselves after too much intake of alcohol. And they get home, they become abusive. Mm. Uh-huh. Others, I, I don't know, maybe it is, you just say that insecurity, they feel that maybe this woman is earning more or she's maybe always away from home. She has this business trip and everything. Then jealousy comes in. They become abusive. So we do not have 
like a, a fitting um, profile to say these kinds of boys will grow up to become abusers. Mm. Or these kind of men who work in a certain sector will be abusive. We cannot say that. But it depends on different circumstances at a given time. Mm. Mm. And also a sense of entitlement as well. Because mm. now it's like, if I can't have you, no one else will. And that is something that a lot of men deal with and they, they, they have issues with. And that's where the jealousy stems from, the insecurity. That's where it stems from. So, yes, I would also like to support my statement to say we do not have a profile, but not with an example, but saying what I would still like to see is that because we do not have a profile, we shouldn't stop teaching and stop um, making people aware because, you know, you cast a very wide net. Because you don't know who you're speaking to. Abuse, gender-based violence doesn't have a face. You don't see someone does but physically looking at them and say, this one looks like that person. So we just mm-hmm. need to teach our boys and our men that. Be the person that, like, I would like a man that I don't want to be scared of. And I would like to have a man that would conduct himself in a way that he knows that just me looking at him, I'll be confident enough to know that he will never lay a hand of me on me. He will never verbally uh, abuse me. He will never be, uh, financially, um, uh, um, what is the word, uh, deprive me. But not because of what I have done, but basically because of the work that he chose to do for himself and on himself. And if I could just jump in quickly before um, we go on to another topic, um, I mean, I would I would agree with the things that have been said so far, but I would also say that we do, I mean, that there is research and research done in South Africa about looking at what are some of the, you know, there's certainly not causal factors, um, but what are some of the contributing factors or some of the, you know, correlate, correlating factors that we see in terms of perpetration of violence. Um, because I think it's really useful to understand that in terms of thinking about then how can we address it. And some of the things that have been identified in the research are things like, you know, um, experiences of childhood trauma, um, experiences of adulthood trauma, things like substance abuse, things like mental health. Um, and so we know that each of these, each of these factors then positively correlates with a likelihood to to commit violence. Um, and so if we can understand some of those things, then our interventions can be more strategically targeted at addressing and trying to eliminate some of those some of those factors as well. But but I mean it it's it's often very difficult to to understand because when even when you talk, I mean I mean and and, and I I'm aware that you were very careful in, in saying they're not they're not the causes certainly, but they are contributory factors. And and w- 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 let's take mental state for example. One one psychologist or you know um, or one leader in psychology says the following about 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 that very issue. He says that in between stimulus and and actions is a gap, and that gap is decision. So if your stimulus is alcohol or your stimulus is mental. Um, health issue or whatever the choice is in between that and the ultimate decision that you take is is i mean the ultimate action that you take is a decision and that's why in law if you beat someone up and say i was drunk or you kill someone and says i was drunk we don't accept sure. it as a as a defense sure. and 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 i wonder how one then deals with that the fact that 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 person despite their mental ill health despite the inducement from alcohol to drugs 
in between that stimulus and the action was a decision how, how then do we take that because and, and i say this because this is a part of accountability how then do you take that understanding that these are the contributory factors what do you use with that i'm you know what do you what what do you use that information and knowledge for Lindsay? i'm not sure if you've had any thoughts on that yeah, I mean, I certainly am not suggesting that it removes accountability and culpability mm. for a person's actions. Um, I, I would just say, um, I would just say then, if we look at, um, so uh, in the community where we work, there was a um, basically an assessment that was done looking at things like, almost like a community mapping exercise, looking at things like the number of shabings versus the number of like, I don't know how they even call the research team called them, but like other positive spaces. So green spaces, parks, libraries, those sorts of things, yeah. you know, and, and, and you'll see then obviously, um, you know, the, the, the ratio is, you know, how, I mean, it's outrageous. Um, and, uh, and so thinking about things like looking at, you know, regulations around the alcohol industry, cracking down on things like illegal, you know, just basically reducing availability of those things, sure. looking at things like mental health, right? So looking at the availability and accessibility of mental health services, and I mean, at the moment, that mostly are provided by NGOs, and they're just there. aren't enough, um, and especially if we look at the history of South Africa and what people, you know, have experienced over the last. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, um, and all of that then compounded trauma that people aren't able to actually engage with and deal with and manifesting in all of these ways and producing a lot of violence. I mean, you know, uh, South Africa, is gender-based violence isn't the only issue, right? We have one of the highest murder rates in the world as well. Mm. Um, and so we are just a violent society overall. And I mean, all of these things, obviously I'm really oversimplifying a very complex issue, um, but, but all of these things are then things that we need to be aware of. And as we're thinking about, well, what are additional resources that can be provided? Things like around mental health, things like addressing substance abuse, um, you know, uh, re- rehab centers for people who want to actually get clean or actually get sober. Um, are there services available to support mm. people who identify that this is a problem and they know that this is, as you said, like a trigger or something that's contributing. They want to take a positive action in their lives, but there aren't actually facilities available to help them in doing that, right? So it's more like that discussion around environment is everything. Mm. Because if you are in an environment that's green and it's got a park where you can take a walk and a jog and um, you have access to, to help when you need it, you probably turn out to be a a better human being, I guess. It, and that's the point. Yeah. And, I, and I think it makes perfect sense, Lindsay. Mm. But not, again, not removing kind of accountability or culpability. People are responsible for their actions and there have to be consequences. Sure. Indeed. Ladies, wow. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rami, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Fisani and Lindsay, thank you very much, ladies. I really am indebted to you. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. And to you, the Afropolitan, thank you very much. I trust that you've enjoyed that as much as I have. But certainly, more important, I trust that you've learned as much as I have. Um, for me, Michael Mutoning Bill, I'm back again next Wednesday. Good night. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.